some of you have heard me share about, um, um, and if you're, if you're new here um, or, um, you know, I, I, I know I haven't been here you know, in, a, in, a, in a bit myself, and so I see new people, and it's like, oh, well, they've been here. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> but uh, thank you for being here and being a part of the, the church here. But uh, one of our one of our long term elders that uh, has been uh, been a part of uh, the Life Church for man twenty nearly thirty years, um, and so whenever I showed back up in San Angelo um, in 1997, he was he was there. Him and his family had become part of the church, and so um, a couple of years into it. He came on as a, a local elder there in San Angelo, and and um, Raymond this um, this past um, I guess that was the week of, of Thanksgiving that uh, he had a massive heart attack, and um, he was on a job site. Uh, they have a international fence company, and he was on a job site, and his son was with him, and uh, Timothy. He's a big old football player <laughs> and, uh, and played for Sol Ross. And anyway, Timothy, you know, he thought he just, his dad just fell, you know, and so he went over to help him up and realized that he was unconscious and wasn't responsive and immediately started doing CPR. They threw him in the back of a truck in his pickup and just, this guy just drove. Timothy said it was, it was it, it, CPR was also helped out with all the airborneness with the pickup, you know, on the way to the hospital, you know. And uh, if you've ever driven the roads of San Angelo, you would know what I'm talking about. So anyway, um, and uh, arrives at the hospital. Um, he, uh, they, they paddled him, got his heart back going. He coded again. They paddled him again. Um, and they had basically had already made a decision. If he coded again, they, they weren't going to, you know, resuscitate. Uh, but they had immediately got him in the cath lab and, and put a catheter in and, and, uh, or, or a stent. And um, they, they estimated somewhere around, because uh, it was a main valve, that main um, part of the heart, you know, right there. Like 23 minutes is kind of the estimation on that. And... And um, anyway, coming coming out of all that, you know, at one point, you know, this doctor comes in and takes the family, and Joanne and I go back with the family, and he gives the bad news, and and he makes a statement. Ordinarily, people that even have that kind of heart attack in the hospital already here won't walk out those doors, and was kind of already pushing that and giving the bad news and. Weeks into it, they um, they had even uh, took him through this process of a, this cold treatment, where they ice the body and they take it all the way down because he had been unresponsive, and and uh, took him down and, and trying to reset things. And then they brought the body. It's 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 like over over a forty eight hour period that they take the body down cold, iced, and and then bring him back, and and uh, still no response. And a um, couple of days after that, you know, they had met with uh, the family and and uh, basically encouraged his wife that she needed to pull the plug and because uh, he was still you know machines were you know his heart beating his heart for him breathing for him all those kinds of things and um, and I showed up and uh, his wife Norma had already left she asked the doctor she said I want to I want to take two days I want to go home and fast and pray 
I don't know about you, but I want a wife like that. <laughs> and she goes home, and, and so she's on her way out. I'm on my way up, and uh, I met her in the, in the parking lot, ran into her and, and talked with her there and, and went on up, and, and Timothy, the, the son, was still there, and we were in ICU, and we're there, and we're praying for him. And when we, when we were done praying, Timothy's on one side, I'm on this side, and, and I look down, and the tube that's running down his throat, he, he takes his tongue and he's trying to move it out of the way and he grimaces. And now that he had had some other movement and they were going, ah, it's just all, you know, involuntary. It's all nerve stuff, blah, blah. And he did that. And I, I literally, it was like, okay, that may have been small and it may have seemed like it was insignificant, but I felt like it was the beginning of something. And I just, I, I looked at Timothy, I said, did you see that? And he's like, what, what? <laughs> I'm like, here's what happened. I said, I think God's beginning the start of a miracle right here. Well, um, this, um, this past um, uh, Friday night in San Angelo, San Angelo is huge. You know, it's West Texas culture, and rodeo is out, out, out there, it, 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 you know, it's like the Texas Rangers here. <laughs> I mean, little old San Angelo, uh, their, their purse, what they pay out to all those cowboys and cowgirls, uh, we, we blow all the bigger cities, Fort Worth, San Antonio. I mean, we, we, we blow them out. I mean, it's in, in literally, um, I forget how many minutes it took when they opened ticket sales up. That's over a three-week period, San Angelo's is. It's huge. And within minutes, every ticket had sold out over every, all 12 performances. That's how big it is. Got it? And, 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 and so Raymond had been, he, he's, he, he served on West Texas Boys Ranch Board. He served, um, he's still currently a elder uh, or a board emeritus with the YMCA. He serves on that board. He serves on our school board. He was, he's been the president of our school board um, um, for 14 years. And so he's, he's been chamber president for the Chamber of Commerce. I mean, he's that guy. He's, he's and gives with Angelo State University. I mean, he has done so much for the community. And with the Rodeo Association and the premium sale for the stock show of, of spending thousands on kids' livestock. He's, he's just his generosity, everything about it. You know, he's huge in that community. Well, Friday night, at during the finals of the San Angelo Stock Show and Rodeo, they, they honored him with an award. And he walked out, him and his wife, onto the arena. And... They told the God story. They didn't hold back. They gave God the glory. And they told that story. And here he is, <laughs> walking, talking, breathing. Um, is he still recovering? Yes. Months later, he's still not back to where he was by any means. But he is a miracle. And the crazy thing was, here we are sitting with them in those box seats. And right, right down below us, just, just literally a couple of rows down, is the ER doctor 
that gave the bad news. And he, 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 Raymond gets back to his seat after receiving the award, and that doctor came up, you know, he, and he's there, and he, he just, he, I mean, he's just in awe, and he's like, Raymond, you are a true miracle. Now, that's from a medical doctor. Come on. <laughs> so, if, if, uh, if you don't believe in miracles, you showed up too late to try and convince me that they've all passed away because we see them. And I am one. Amen. And um, so, I just, I just pray that your hearts are stirred and that, that you really do move into that place because today I want to talk to you and I, I feel like that... that you know, some of them. Now, I, I, I drove in this morning. I know some of you may have driven a while, but I drove over four hours to get here. So, uh, if we want to play the game, who drove the furthest, you know, in the Metroplex, I win, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, I left way early this morning. And, and I love it. Man, on the way, I was just like, oh, I get to come be with my peeps up here. You know, it's just this feeling, you know, in my heart. Man, you, you, you have a, a certain place here. And, and, uh, and, and you know, and for, for Arlington, you know, it's, 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 it's so different. It's like this international, you know, feels like the Life Church International. <laughs> There's just a, a different feeling. And I love, you know, walking in and just you know, uh, seeing new people and hearing the stories in different, different places, you know, uh, of, of um, culture and nations and background and we're in us all coming together here as the body of Christ. And God is doing something special here in Arlington. And I, and I don't want you to miss that. God is doing something special right here. And it, it may seem small, you know, sometimes it's those small things and the insignificant things that that uh, grow into real greatness. Um, so don't don't miss that. Don't miss what God's doing here. And um, prophetically, I I, um, I recently had a had a, a tremendous experience of of um, you know because we're we're moving through. A, a, a time and and a, and a you know where we're we're extending we're planning on uh, planning another campus and so we're we've been moving through some of that process and strategic planning meetings and all those kinds of things with the team out of San Angelo I've already got a school in Arlington in uh, excuse me in Abilene and um, Abilene is really the only city that I really don't have a church that's involved and serving and connected and and uh, and for some years I've just we've we've tried and it just hasn't hadn't happened and and um, and I I can't get away from just you know that feeling like we're supposed to have a church there and I get asked on a regular basis when are you going to put a church in Abilene especially for my school staff that and and some of the parents over in Abilene and so really felt strong about that I barely mentioned that in the in my vision. Um, you know, uh, message for, for, uh, the beginning of this year in January. And it's like, I just, I barely said it in passing. It's like that thing just took off. It's like, all of a sudden I got people coming going, yes, I'll go. And it's like, okay, <laughs> here we go, you know? And, uh, but in the middle of all that, you know, I was looking at, okay, what role would Arlington serve and do? And, and just strategically we're, we're thinking through all of that. And um, 
and was literally sitting at Pastor Lane's um, um, dining table there, and and um, that that morning, and and going to have that some of that discussion. I get a text come in from Pastor Daniel Calhoun, which I, I'm sh- I know that he's rotated in, and and uh, we go we go back thirty something years, and and I mean he is he's such a man of prayer. And, and, and the prophetic is so strong in him. And uh, there, there's times, you know, in these, uh, this journaler, literally I'll bring something up and then he'll go and he'll look back in his journal, sometimes years back, and he'll, he'll bring his journal in and it's going, okay, on this day, this date, this time in my prayer room, bam, here's what the Lord spoke, confirming something that maybe I was sensing or feeling that we were to... Dude, and, and we had one of those God moments where we were talking about this, and um, and he and he sends me a text. Now I'm sitting there, about to talk to Pastor Lane, um, of maybe changing some things up, and literally his text said, "I don't know what you're thinking, but I had a a time. I think it's like two two a.m. Sometimes I wonder when the guy sleeps. You know, it's like." He's up in his prayer room, <laughs> and, it, and he says, and I saw Pastor Lane in the sanctuary in Arlington, and, and he said, and the Lord says, don't touch it, you'll kill it. And I literally, with like the fear of God, went, "Woo, okay, I'm glad I didn't start that conversation. <laughs> Because God's doing something here. And so I just sense that, that whatever it is, we're going to trust. And for Arlington campus of uh, Pastor Lane's leadership and what's happening and those that I feel like that have been called here, there's some tremendous leadership represented here. that I'm just so uh, amazed at what God has done that God's doing something special. And I just, I want that. I want to impart that this morning. If I don't, we're going to get still read a passage of scripture and we'll have a message. But, but I want to impart that as as an apostolic leader and giving oversight to the works that God's called us to. I just I just want you to embrace that, and because sometimes it is that thing. Once you, you know, so much of life is about your attitude and the way you perceive things and about your perspective and belief and. And, um, and so if, if we'll align ourselves to that, because I want to talk to us about aligning. You know, when we align, I, 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 um, I had a, uh, um, and again, some of you may think that I'm odd or weird, but you, you just got to get it. But, you know, if, through the, throughout my life, you know, I, I waited till I was 50 years old to ever buy a brand new vehicle off the lot that was brand spanking new that nobody else had owned. <laughs> I waited till I was 50 years old. And uh, so some of that is a de- delayed gratification. Uh, Joanne and I have always tried to live below and live in, in a certain way that, that we would have more to be able to give and that we could pay things forward, invest, do some other things that, that really has paid off with great, you know, significance on, on certain things and a lot of that so that I can give more. 
And uh, so there was just certain things about that. Now, have I had new vehicles with companies, with businesses, different things? Yes, I've had had that. So I've been blessed in, in some other ways of, you know, I thank God I'm not driving an old beat up beater, you know, that trying to trust it to, you know, by faith to get me from one point to another. I, I, I you know, that's not the case. And, uh, but at 50 years old, I bought a brand new vehicle, first time off the lot, and I had it outfitted, put this, you know, we're, you know, West Texas, so I put this, this nice uh, grill guard on the front end of it. We have a lot of deer and hogs that get on the highway, and so you know, just protecting the investment. And and uh, and besides that, in West Texas, it looks good. <laughs> and so, got it fixed up. Well, just a few months into it, all of a sudden, I'm I'm looking at the front tires, and it's like, what in the world? They're wearing you know, crazy. The, the tread was coming off now. And again, I put a lot of miles on vehicles, but just a few months into it, you know, I mean, they're already wearing out. And so I took it in to the, to, to the Ford house and where I bought it there. And, uh, lo and behold, you know, and, and they're the ones that equipped it with all this fancy stuff that I had put on it. But when they put that heavy front end, that, 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 uh, grill guard on it, the weight of that now, on the front, cause the alignment to be different in the, in the torque of, of, those, of the front end, and they didn't adjust for that. And it wore in a bad way. If, and I just, I just thought, you know, if life is out of alignment, is some of the hardships, some of the things that we experience sometimes because of our own doing or because we weren't aligned properly. And you may have been even at one point in time, but you may be at a new place. When we look at this passage here in Ephesians chapter 2, and, and, and again, we, we sing a lot about it because, yeah, and, and I know we just come out of Easter, and so for me, coming out of Easter and talking about the resurrection life and, and the power of God, I love that. And what Jesus has, has birthed and given us and, and all. And, and, um, um, but but there, there, there's something beyond that. And it's got to come down to us living from this, out of this place of covenant, out of this place of relationship with God of how we do life in this, in this earth. And, you, you know, Jesus, he, he taught um, a whole lot about living our lives. And, again, I, I know that, um, that there's some tension right now, and I'm hearing different teaching. Oh, I'm just a Christ follower. I just follow Jesus. You know, I don't follow Paul. I don't follow. And it's like, excuse me, if you're going to follow Jesus, you better follow him into the book of Acts and into all the letters and the rest of the New Testament, right? <laughs> because <laughs> Jesus was going. It wasn't a means to an end. And there was a shift. There was in this covenant, we moved into this, this new covenant. And in this age the, of the church age, because the church is 
his methodology in, in the earth. And you'll see that. Jesus talks, oh man, I don't, I don't have all the numbers right now. But if you do a concordance reference, you'll say, yes, it was kingdom, kingdom, kingdom. The book of Acts, all of a sudden you see about this split of the word kingdom to the word church. And then all of a sudden you get into the epistles and it's the church, the church, the church, the church, the church, the church. That's where we're at. And so for, for me, I, I, I really believe that God has called his church to be the church. And yes, it is the body of Christ made up of all these members. But how, how do we do what we do in the earth and have the greatest impact? I believe collectively it's by the, by the church. And a lot of people are so anti you know, organization, anti um, some kind of, of formal look, you know, of, of us um, coming together. And yet, when you really look at what God has obviously intended, that's, that's it. Now, is church sometimes ugly? Yes, it's ugly. <laughs> is, is church some, you know, the reality is we're not perfect. Why? Because we showed up, right? <laughs> so, you know, that's the reality of it. But it doesn't negate the fact that, that, that God's still about that. You know, Jesus is all about discipleship. And yet, if you look at that ragtag bunch that he called to be his disciples, it was a mess. That's a whole lot of you know, guys that they had all kinds of issues. You know, a lot of them were just young. And, and so you've got immaturities and you have all kinds of backgrounds and different belief systems and, and things that were going on. And yet that's who Jesus chose to do life with, to call into this. And, and he didn't shy away from it. And so I, I want us to hear that. I want us to embrace that. I, I, the, the word of God, it's so vital that we understand how important it is for our lives. Um, man, I love, I love sometimes these things that just pop out, especially with kids. You know, it just, you know, it just, so, so uh, Megan and Zach, my middle daughter, you know, they just had a new baby. And so Ellie was staying with Nana and Pawpaw. And so, you know, Pawpaw's having to get up. You know, we live, we live outside of town now and, and uh, so I'm having to drive in and, and, and get her to school on time. And, and we, we made it. You know, thank goodness I've got a key and a special badge. And I was able to slip in, you know, with the. <laughs> but, but we made it, you know. But on one of those morning trips in, that, um, I'd, I'd overheard just, just uh, Zach and Ellie just talking and and. Zach had thrown this statement out. He said, he said, Ellie, if you could give one, if you could give every person on the planet one gift, what would it be? And she said, a Bible. And Zach was like, wow, that's awesome, you know, and then went on and, and it was busy, you know, family. I mean, we got a baby, right? Come on, when, ba when new babies are in the room, you know, <laughs> so that was where the attention was. But I, I picked up on that. So anyway, so the next morning, I, uh, I'm, I'm uh, driving her in to, to, to school, 
And I said, I said, Ellie, I said, I said, I heard Zach ask you if you could give one person, could give every person one gift, what would it be? And you said a Bible. I was like, why, why a Bible? And she looks at me and she's like, almost like this dull look, like you're the preacher, right? He's like, everybody needs the word of God. <laughs> but there is hope. <laughs> everybody needs the word of God. Because it's life-changing. It, it, this book is alive. Is, is it got history? Yes. Is it got all kinds of poetry and other things? Yes. But, that, you know, that, this book will talk to you. Amen? It's alive. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, starting here in verse 4. It says, But God, who is rich in mercy... Because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Same thing. Michael and I did not plan this. I mean, I'm sitting there, we're, we're singing that song, and I'm going... Okay, Holy Spirit, you are orchestrating something here. That in the ages to come, he might show his exceedingly riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in now. Man. When I think about this passage that Paul has written, to align is to align, it's imperative. That we align to God, to his word, to his truth from that place of victory that he's already won. Because sometimes life experience would speak something really different. Sometimes when we're facing the battle, the fight of faith, the struggles of life, the, the things that, that we just, all of us, the, the, you know... <laughs> You know, it's it's that kind of that thing that that I I don't know. I picked it up somewhere. Maybe maybe it was just from the Lord. Somebody may have said it. I don't know. But but uh, after you, if you're a preacher and you say something more than a few times, it's yours anyway. So you know. But it's that thing that all of us are either either going through a storm or just came out of a storm or we're headed to a storm. That's you know, life happens, and we face different things. But if we can understand from this place and position, seated in the heavenly places, seated, see, there's, there's things throughout Scripture that, that we already have positionally. We have through promises that have been made. But we, we may not fully be experiencing all of that yet. 
But it shouldn't change the truth of that. That's still true. God's word is true. The position of me being seated. See, I don't know about you, but I read that passage, you know, and, and Paul says, and you have the mind of Christ. I'm like, okay, when? when? <laughs> I want that. <laughs> but sometimes the reality is, okay, <laughs> you know, stop thinking negative, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, you know, there's a struggle that's why there's a renewing process. That's that, that whole part of taking the Word of God and putting it on the inside of you and, and altering the way we do think. And these kind of scriptures like this should help us to understand so that we're already aligned to God's Word. We're already in this position so that, so that even in the fight of faith, we're fighting from a place not from a place of defeat, of struggle, but we're fighting from a place where Jesus has already been victorious. He's already won. He's already conquered. And so from that, and then the other part of that is, is that shift that happens to where, because, you know, we say this a lot of being a Christ follower, being a follower of Jesus. And, and, and I, think, I think it has to be very holistic in, in the approach. I think sometimes if we're not careful, we will embrace certain attributes. But sometimes in this, especially I feel like some of the tension is today in the church, we embrace attributes, but we don't embrace absolutes. But there's some things that he's already said, and he meant what he said. And there's things that, that it's, it's not that he's against someone. He just speaks and addresses certain moral issues because he knows it's damaging. It doesn't, it doesn't lead to actual godliness. It doesn't lead to uh, a certain place of true peace, true experience of love. Because love, if, you're gonna, if we're going to talk about this and, and, and you look at, Again, one of these expressions of Jesus in love, man, it has a lot of dynamics to it, right? I mean, it, 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 we, we, have to, we have to challenge ourselves because how we love and, and how we express love and how we receive love and, and so much of that, you know, it, it, you know, even in the New Testament, we know that the Greek gives us different words for love we know that there's a friendship love there's a romantic love there is an unconditional love the agape love of God and and so we know that there's different dynamics of that and even with the agape love you think about Jesus who is like love in the flesh still expressed different um strong emotions you know the um you know week before Easter is referred to as Passion Week. And if you follow the story in the Gospels of what Jesus did in Passion Week, that was intense. And man, he got into it with, with, with some of the religious leaders of the day and with some others, you know, with, even with his own disciples. He, you know, it, it doesn't avoid confrontation. It doesn't avoid sometimes getting in someone's grill. It, it, doesn't, it, doesn't, 
you know, was it an expression of love when Jesus flipped over the, the money changer tables and took that whip and drove them out and said, my father's house shall be called a house of prayer? No, that's intense love. Intense love. Intentional love. And, and I think that's, that's really what we've got to settle in on. You know, I had a had a uh, individual. You know, we we had some different different things in the past. And if you've ever been in ministry, you know, to where you've really been in the kind of ministry where sometimes you you are because uh, church should be a hospital for the sick. Jesus said that He's come not for the righteous, but for the unrighteous. He's come for those that are in need, those that are not whole, that need to be whole. And so if we're going to do that, then, you know, like that, that, that Samaritan that was willing to get involved with the individual in the ditch, <laughs> that him beat up, robbed. I mean, that, sometimes life is messy, and, and you, you were called to get involved with certain people and, and do certain things. Uh, one of the things that we just celebrated or that, that I had an opportunity to celebrate. So this individual, he's still a part of our church and, and a part of my life. And, um, and every year we have, a, we have this reunion day where we, we, we plan it and we go out to lunch. And, and he, he buys me lunch or dinner. And because uh, 23 years ago on that date, I pulled over on the side of a road. We'd, we'd been out helping this family and doing some work and things. And, and this guy had, had come along, um, kind of got tricked into going out with us. And uh, he unsaved, absolute, full-on heathen. Um, even when we're out there working, we were doing some work for this family as a group of guys. And, um, and, and we were having problems with some of the things that we were attempting to get done. And he's mocking, going, oh, maybe you ought to pray about it. <laughs> he's just mocking us. Well, ends up that uh, the, the guy that brought him lined it out to where um, I think he went in, went in the house to use the restroom or something. They all left, and he had to ride with me. So on the way back to town, I'm, of course, sharing my faith and witnessing to him. And, and uh, about five miles outside of San Angelo, we pull over to the, into the, uh, the side of the road there. And, um, and I had the privilege to reach across, and we joined hands, and I led him in the prayer of salvation 23 years ago. He still had dope in his pocket. Come on. That didn't stop Jesus. <laughs> but I, I had this, but I had this guy, you know, that, that was, you know, talking to me. He, uh, he works for, you know, law enforcement and all. And anyway, it's like, it's like, pastor, you got to start, stop hanging around shady individuals. And I'm thinking who like you? <laughs> I had a former DA tell me that police officers, they're the biggest sinners of all. They need Jesus. <laughs> a little bit of thing there with them, anyway. And uh, but but uh, you know, I I, I, I was kind of taken back from that. Okay, stop hanging around shady individuals. Okay, so I, you're asking me not to be like Jesus. I mean, that was my thought. Now, 
does it mean that I trust them? That I, okay, I just love this person, so I'm going to give them the keys to my car and my house. And Heck no. Why? There's no trust. Right? And I love my wife more than them. I'm sorry. Right? Come on. Let's just be real. So, but, but yet, because Jesus loved, we're to love. But we need to figure that out better and what that looks like so that we're not taken advantage of in the wrong kind of way. You're not called to be a doormat for someone. Doesn't mean that you cannot do certain things to protect you. That's, that's reality, folks. And if we're not careful, we, I think we cross certain boundaries and we confuse, we get confused with certain scriptures because we don't understand the full extent of what that really talks about. All error that I, had, that I found where, where false doctrine and, and where things get out of whack is when somebody camps on a scripture or a thought to the point that they try and build a whole doctrine on that. You've got to take every subject and take everything the Bible says. The Bible says that you, you interpret Scripture with Scripture. What's the text say? What's the intent? Who's he talking to? Where's it going? Where, You've you, you got to ask those other questions in that. And you've got to follow those threads and where that goes. You know, when you think about serving, Jesus was the greatest servant. Man. Ultimately, Jesus was all about serving. And, I, you know, I, for, for me, it's just been one of those natural things from the moment that I got saved. And I got saved in my bedroom. I didn't go to church. So I didn't have some preacher, somebody going, hey, you need to volunteer, you know, at church, or you need to get involved, or you need... No, it was... I mean, when I gave my life to Jesus in my bedroom... Supernaturally, I couldn't remember anybody witnessing to me other than my my grandmother, my granny, saying, "Just cry out to God." She knew I, she knew I was a, me, a mess and needed God, and she was like, "Just cry out to God. He's as close to you as your next breath." And so I did finally, and I and I and it, it was it was over a, a week's time of really through a repentance process and a process where I mean I was willing I surrendered I gave it all to God and whenever I read the Bible in John 14 6 where Jesus said I'm the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except by me I prayed a simplistic prayer and I was born again that night the power of God came into me brought transformation changed so much of who I am. And immediately, I, it was like my eyes were open. Before that, I, I just have to admit, I was so selfish. It was all about me. And here I gave my life to Jesus, and all of a sudden, I just saw needs everywhere. And I just, I couldn't help myself. I just started serving, serving, serving. That was the model that Jesus had. He said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and if we will shift into that as a Christ follower it takes us someplace and all of a sudden we begin to even sometimes in the needs that we may have we get involved and we start serving somebody else wow the power of that 
And then giving. We know that, that God is the ultimate giver. The ultimate giver. And when you look at, at this passage, it, and again, I didn't break it all down, but this is all in there with Jesus and with what we, what we have positionally, but now experientially, and what are we doing about it? Well, we're going to love like he loves. We're going to serve like he serves. We're going to give like he gives. Man, we just had a team, Pastor David Taylor. Um, I was supposed to go, and I've had to reshift and rework my life and some things, you know, with, with what we're doing now. And, and uh, in this alignment, I've had to embrace what does God want, not what I want. You know, I'd, if it's up to me, I'd, you know, uh, uh, you know, David Bonet just got back from, from India. David Taylor just got back from the Philippines. I love to go. <laughs> I'd have been, yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and yet because of serving what I feel like God's called me to serve, I have to shift and I have to say no to certain things to give myself to certain things. But, but it didn't stop us from still moving mission forward. And so Pastor David, as he got back um, from the Philippines, we have, we have um, there, there's a real lack even in India. We've, we've uh, one of the major, um, major churches in India, right there in Hyderabad, a mega church, huge church. And, and when we talk about men's ministry, because we're in partnership with Paul Cole, with Christian Men's Network and, and that, that whole ministry. And so a big part of what we have found is we've been able to, to finance the translation of these books into languages that they can actually use. And so we were a part of that in the Philippines and part of Christian men's network team, along with pastor David Taylor being able to go and help launch. I, I, I don't believe it's just a, just a, 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 a ministry to men. I believe it's a men's movement that there is such a need there. In such a need in India for men to become men of God. Why? Because Christ-likeness and manhood are synonymous. That's the way God intended it. That these two are together. And that's a big part of, of, of even our church and what we do and just our desire to see that happen. And... And we've had the opportunity to be able to finance that. God's blessed us. And so for, for us to be able to take um, monies that, that are designated for, for missions and for our, our giving and to be able to take a portion of that and to be able to translate books, because something happens in books. That's why I so admire Paul, you know, and just the books that he's written and things. And I, I've got some pushing on me about some stuff anyway. But, but there's something in that when you pass some of that on. When I think about those books, because we've, one of the things that we've tried to do is make them um, to contextualize them to that language, to that culture, not just translate it from the English and from, you know, a lot of those were written by Ed Cole, Dr. Ed Cole, a lot of years ago, and so they're, they're bringing those things up. They're 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 uh, 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 bringing some um, revisions 
to some of those books and even more so in those cultures for those different nations where those translations are happening. And for us to be able to help finance that, to be able to give towards that. You know, we've, we've, we've got teams that are locked into global ventures and, and uh, we've, we've got a, a lot of excitement around that. Being able to go to the world preach this gospel and see signs, wonders, miracles. You know, 14 years ago, whenever I, I knew that I had to pivot, you know, when I started the charter school and I knew that, that I had to give myself to that, I couldn't do a lot of the, the missions part of what I'd been doing. And, and Joanne stepped up and started leading teams and partnered with Global Ventures with John Smithwick and, and, um, We've been able to see a lot of people go to the mission field for short-term missions. I love that. I want to see more of that. We're, we're looking at a deeper level of partnership with Paul and his ministry and, and being able to launch something first there in San Angelo at that campus and to be able to... See, I, I'm not giving up. I'm not. We're going to press this thing. It's going to get across the finish line. We're going to do this thing. And... Uh, because I believe in it. I believe it's a God thing. But all of that, it takes resources. It takes money. See, we can't allow that thing to get on us of, of ultimately, God doesn't need our money. But it takes money to do ministry. Even Jesus, he had a team that it said supported his ministry. They did. Financially. That didn't just happen. I mean, could he have called it out of heaven? Yes, he was Jesus, right? But others would have missed a blessing and missed an opportunity to be involved in that. Jesus was so cool about that. Have you ever noticed that? Have you slowed down in the Bible and just, sometimes he just gave room for people to do what they do. Think about that woman with that alabaster box, all that perfume, and it, as expensive, I mean, it got Judas's attention. He's like, that was worth a lot of money, Jesus. (laughs) Think what we could have done with that. And Jesus just gave her room. Let her do what she did. Anointing him with that gift. Wow. I want us all to be able to understand more of, of that and just being able to connect with that. And what does that look like in my life and, and how <laughs> Pastor Laney, he's, he's, he's like, we need your notes. And I, and I got that text and I had planned Saturday morning and I'd blocked out some time. And my 80, he's 80, I don't know, mid 80s, you know, my neighbor next door had a water pipe that <laughs> was busted. <laughs> and I'm over there in the mud. <laughs> <laughs> trying to help. You know, we're out in the country. It's a well. It's, you know, it's, and, and uh, I'm thinking, okay, <laughs> I didn't plan this. <laughs> but I just thought, you know, to pull aside, to, to serve, to give to someone else, to, to help someone else. This is, I, I just see Jesus. It, it says in Acts 10, 38, that Jesus went about doing good. He went about doing good. What would happen if we really said, you know what? <laughs> I want to attack that. I just want to say, God, I want to align to that. What would that look like? Think about that. If true, just 
across this, this world, if Christ followers just simply said, okay, God, right there. Now, it goes on, says that Jesus went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil, right? <laughs> I mean, big time power. But he went about doing good. At the end of John's gospel, for, them to, for him to say, if everything that Jesus had done was truly written down, all the books of the world could not contain it. Man, he just went about making an impact on everybody. Had to have. Ultimate do-gooder. That's a lifestyle. And that's ultimately, I believe, where God desires to take us. To where this is a lifestyle. It's not about, okay, I'm going to try and squeeze out this morning devotion. I'm going to spend more time with Jesus. I'm going to, I'm going to take notes. I'm going to, you know, do my journal or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to volunteer in the nursery, even though that's not a bad thing. <laughs> but for, for us to understand that this ultimately should become a lifestyle to where it's just who we are as Christ followers. And we're just living in this world, but not of this world. In this world, embracing, yes, his attributes and his absolutes. But never with a judgmental kind of thing. Not with a religious attitude that shuns people. But with a, with a heart that, hey, we want to help you. And here's what that really looks like in aligning to the things of God, in aligning to who he created you. That's ultimately, we have been fearfully and wonderfully made. We are created in him for good works. For good works. That's the last part of that passage. To give ourselves to that. I want to encourage you, if you are here this morning, you've not given your life to Jesus, why not today? Why wait another moment? Why not today begin the journey that says, Jesus, be my Lord, be my King, be master and ruler of my life, of my universe, creator of the heavens and earth. Come here. And you surrender. We're going to sing this last song. I want to invite you to stand. And all of us may have a place, have an area, something that the Holy Spirit just triggered. I know how this works. Some of you, I've had you do it multiple times, year after year. How'd you know I was going through? I don't. The Holy Spirit does. You may have felt like, oh my goodness, God just got in my business. Well, why not let him in your business? He, he, he wants to bless us. <laughs> Listen, if he's asking you to surrender an area, he's only wanting to help you. He's only wanting to, to promote you. He's only wanting to bless you. He's only wanting good for you. Why not surrender that and just let God be God? And like I said, I've gone through some things lately to where it's just, okay, Lord, I, there's a whole lot that Walt, Walt Landers would like to go do. And yet he's asking me to serve, to give, 
to lead in a, in a certain area. I mean, I, you know, when we started this school 14 years ago, I had no idea. I mean, we're nearly 550 employees on the school side. 4,000 students nearly. And then you got all the parents. <laughs> I had no idea that it would grow to that. And here I've recently had my superintendent of schools that he's turned in for his retirement. And all of a sudden it's like, whoo, okay. And I'm having to step into some things and I'm having to lead some things. I'm having to do some things that... I wouldn't. I knew that God had moved me back to San Angelo for a specific specific reason, but it, I didn't see that one. Sometimes God knows long before we know, and sometimes God's calling you to places and to serve in places. Some of you need to stop praying, Lord, give me a Christian job. <laughs> give me a job where I'm only around Christians. How are we supposed to be light and salt in that? Right? And he may have just placed you there because of your ability to influence, to lead someone. You know, for, for Steve, 23 years ago, when I led him to the Lord, I, I mean, his place of influence and service and what he's doing 23 years later, listen, everybody's glad that Steve got saved. <laughs> with the life he was living believe me we're glad that he got saved what if you were there in that place for such a time and such a reason and for such a person man don't take that for granted let's just sing this last song and let's offer ourselves to him and live from this place of where he's already positioned us amen